Welcome to Voices in My Head, the official podcast of me, Rick Lee James. I'm a recording artist, a singer, songwriter, an author, a worship leader, and an ordained minister in the Church of the Nazarene. The Voices in My Head podcast is your source for discussions on music, literature, movies, pop culture, theology, and more. Now sit back, relax, and listen to the latest episode of the Voices in My Head podcast. And don't forget to let the voices in your head be heard by following me on Twitter at Rick Lee James and sharing your thoughts about today's show. Welcome back to Voices in My Head. As always, I am your host, Rick Lee James, and I'm very happy that you decided to spend some time with me today. This is a special St. Patrick's edition, because St. Patrick's Day is on March 17th, the same day my new album releases, and I've been talking a lot about St. Patrick lately. Today's episode is a sermon that I delivered this past Sunday, which was March 13th, 2016, and it's all about Patrick, his life, his ministry, what he was about, and I think it's very important. So I'm just going to share it here today, and we're going to call this the St. Patrick's Day Special. I hope you enjoy it. We had a great time at church yesterday, and St. Patrick means a lot to the Christian faith, whether you know it or not. So God bless you, and happy St. Patrick's Day. How many of you know what, when you think of St. Patrick, what do you think of? What do you think of? Green, okay. Four-relief clovers, okay, that kind of thing. Well, uh, on this week when we're uh, supporting uh, our music pastor and uh, certainly this accomplishment of his uh, CD coming out this week, and it is excellent, by the way, uh, and you'll have opportunity to... uh, have one of these along the way, but he uh, offered to share a little bit today about who St. Patrick was and what his ministry was about, because I can tell you, learning from this man, that St. Patrick and some of the things we think of right away are far from what he was about. So today, Pastor Rick's going to share that with us in his message, and uh, let's just listen intently intently as the Holy Spirit uh, helps us, okay? Thank you. Thank you. Can you hear me okay? Got, I've got two packs on today, one for my ears when I listen, and so I'm, just call me Tupac, I guess, something. Um, it's a, uh, some of you got that. Um, now, when I asked Pastor if I could preach today, I realized that he's never asked me if he could lead music, so I guess I owe you one, uh, something like that. Um, but St. Patrick is, is really important to me, and I, I hope he'll become very important to you as well. Matter of fact, the reason my album is releasing this week on Thursday is because it is St. Patrick's Day. Uh, the song we sang, Christ Before Me, Christ Behind, um, that's the first track on the album, and it's written from St. Patrick's very famous breastplate prayer. So I want to share with you uh, a little bit from the story that we talked about today in Sunday School But mostly I want to share with you a legacy of a man that we know very little about, but I would be willing to say without him, we probably wouldn't have this church here today. And we may not have Christianity in the West, and we may not even have civilization in the West. And so I'm going to share a little of Patrick's story with you today, and I thank you for allowing me the chance to share, Pastor. I really appreciate this today. Well, we're going to start with the scripture, Matthew chapter 16, verses 13 through 20. It should be on the screen for you. We heard it this morning in Sunday school class. When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say that the Son of Man is? 
They replied, Some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others, Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. But what about you? he asked. Who do you say I am? Simon Peter answered, You are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. Jesus replied, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my Father in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Then he ordered his disciples not to tell anyone that he was the Messiah. Let's pray together. O God, our King, by the resurrection of your Son, Jesus Christ, on the first day of the week you conquered sin, caused death to run in fear, and gave us hope of everlasting life. Redeem all our days by your victory. Forgive us our sins, banish our fears, make us bold to praise you and to do your will, and prepare us to wait for the completion of your coming kingdom on the last great day. Through the same Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Amen. I'm going to ask you to use your imaginations with me this morning. I want you to imagine living in a shadowy, fearful land. It's a land without literacy. It's a land without cities. It's a place where magic and reality ran together under the influence of the Druids. It's a place where gods were believed to have lived under the stones on the ground and in the trees in the forest. It's a place where human sacrifice was practiced. And fierce warriors would bring terror upon their enemies with stories of their magical shape-shifting abilities. To enter this world of superstition, darkness, and fear is to enter into the 5th century Ireland in the time of St. Patrick. St. Patrick's name was, well, his given name at birth was Patricius. I'm sure he probably liked Patrick better. He was born around 385. He grew up in a middle-class home in Roman-colonized Britain, so he wasn't Irish. When Patrick was around the age of 16, the Roman legions guarding his colony were withdrawn from the area, and they were sent back to Rome to protect the city from attacking invaders. So left unprotected, Britain was also invaded by raiders who carried away tens of of thousands of innocent people, killing many and enslaving others. Patrick was one of these innocents who was kidnapped by Irish slavers on one such invasion. His parents, who were both devoted followers of Christ, were killed. As a slave, Patrick was forced into the untamed countryside of Northern Ireland to be a shepherd. It was a life of poverty and isolation where hunger and nakedness were his constant companions. In the days before his enslavement, Patrick did not have faith in God, and he found the priests in Britain to be foolish in their ways and in their teachings. But now in the cold, isolated fields of Ireland, he turned to the God of his parents, and he began to pray. During this miserable six years of forced isolation and enslavement in a terrifying, strange land. Imagine being 16 years old and this happening to you. Patrick became something he would most likely not have become if he were left to his own devices back in Britain. He became a holy man who learned how to listen and how to pray. On those freezing nights in the darkness of Northern Ireland, 
While shepherding the flocks of his captors, Patrick would cry out to God hundreds of times a night, God, save me. God, save me. God, save me. And over the years, Patrick came to know the risen Christ and learned how to really listen in prayer. He didn't learn who Jesus was from the Bible or from the stories of his parents, but like the Apostle Paul, he had a real experience and a real relationship with the risen Jesus. On what would be the final night of his captivity, he heard a voice telling him, your hungers are rewarded, you are going home. Look, your ship is ready. Patrick, knowing it to be the voice of God, he made his escape that night. He walked nearly 200 miles from the northern coast of Ireland to the east coast where he found a ship. The captain would not allow Patrick to come aboard, however, so he turned away feeling defeated. But he was convinced that God had spoken to him and that that was the ship that God led him to. So Patrick went back, convinced the captain to allow him on board the ship, saying, God told me to do this. It worked. Patrick made his escape across the sea and back to Britain. He later wrote of that experience, There the Lord opened the sense of my unbelief that I might at last remember my sins and be converted with all my heart to the Lord God who comforted me as would a father his son. I don't know about you, but if it was me, I would never go back to Ireland again. Back in Britain, Patrick felt the call to enter the clergy, and he went to study in Gaul, which is present-day France. He became a priest and then went on to become a bishop. And at the age of 40, after serving as a minister for nearly 20 years, Patrick had a dream where an angel brought to him a letter from the people of Ireland who were crying out to him to return. When he awoke, he believed that the dream was a message from God. The cries of the Irish people in his dream had pierced his very heart, he said. Responding to the call of God in his life, he was led back to Ireland as a missionary. It's hard for me to imagine the amount of courage it took for Patrick to return to the land that had enslaved him and stolen away his youth and even killed his parents. To confront bloodthirsty, battle-axe-wielding Irishmen with nothing more than the love of Jesus Christ is evidence of his courage. He confronted the Druids. He confronted chieftains. And he used three-leaf clovers to teach the Trinity. Though Druids attempted to kill him nearly a dozen times, Patrick said, Daily I expect murder, fraud, or captivity, but I fear none of these things because of the promises of heaven. Now listen to this. Patrick baptized over 120,000 people in Ireland. He founded over 300 churches there. Patrick's courage, his loyalty, and his generosity were admired by the people of Ireland. And as he gained influence, he became the first public figure to take a stand against slavery, imploring the people to end the practice in Ireland altogether. You can imagine, because he was a slave And it's staggering to realize, just think of this, that when Patrick arrived at the age of 16 as a slave in Ireland, Christianity did not exist there in any established form. By the time Patrick died in 461, Ireland was in practice a Christian nation. After 40 years of living in poverty, teaching, traveling, and working in the service of the Lord, the frightening world of Ireland was transformed from a land of darkness and fear 
into a place where the risen Christ was worshipped and proclaimed. There is a very famous prayer which I will share with you in a few moments. We've been singing from that prayer this morning. It's known as St. Patrick's Breastplate. Characteristics of its language would assign it to the 7th or 8th century, so it can't be definitively ascribed to Patrick himself, but it is very patrician to its core. If Patrick didn't write it, it certainly takes its inspiration from him and from his ministry. And the prayer of St. Patrick is a beautiful way of passing on the great theology of the church. Now, myself as a songwriter who is a Christian, part of my task is to use music as a tool for handing down the ancient faith. And my encouragement to all of us is to not let another year go by simply allowing the world to define St. Patrick's holy day. It's not one more day to have an excuse to get drunk and act irresponsibly and selfishly. Rather, envision if the church reclaimed and reimagined the day in the spirit of St. Patrick as a chance to proclaim the hope of Jesus Christ in the hopeless parts of our lives and in our world. Like Patrick, we can shine the light of Christ into the darkness. More than celebrating with a green-tinted beer, we could raise the cup of Christ, break the bread of life, and invite the world to the feast. St. Patrick's Day is a wonderful opportunity for us to proclaim the gospel of Jesus. It's a wonderful time for us to be reminded that God has a calling on our lives. And maybe at 40 years of age, I'm one year away from that, by the way, God will call you to a new ministry in a dark and scary place. I'll be 39 in August. And I've been thinking a lot about what it means to respond to the calling of God. The call that over 15 years ago now led me here and is still keeping me here. I've been asking if I know the Lord even half as well as Patrick came to know him. Patrick didn't have a Bible. He didn't have a church family. Like Simon Peter in the scripture that we read earlier, Jesus the Messiah was revealed to Patrick not by flesh and blood, but by the Father in heaven. And like the Apostle Paul, Patrick didn't have the New Testament or the benefit of a Sunday school class teaching the story (laughs) week after week. Patrick came to know Jesus as a slave in a field in isolation from everyone. Patrick, after he made his escape, could have left God behind and the tools that God gave him to be a minister, but he didn't. Patrick responded to the call of God in his life. And there's a call in every one of our lives, and we will either answer it or we will ignore it. Patrick proclaimed the Trinity using four-leaf clovers. I try to do it using guitars and pianos and drums and whatever we have at our disposal. And I don't know what tools God has equipped you with in this congregation. I know some of you what God has equipped you with, but not all of you, to fulfill your calling. But the same God who called Patrick to Ireland is the God who is calling us to carry the gospel into a dark world. This is the breastplate prayer of St. Patrick that I've been referring to. We've been singing it in our music today, but here it is in full. And I would like you to listen closely, and it should be on the screen too so you can read along. I believe God will speak to you through it as he has spoken to me and to generations before. It's an amazing prayer. It's almost as though he's putting on the full armor of God as he goes out. So you can imagine this was the life and ministry of Patrick Patrick in a nutshell. I arise today through a mighty strength, 
the invocation of the Trinity, through belief in the threeness, through confession of the oneness of the creator of creation. I arise today through the strength of Christ's birth with his baptism, through the strength of his crucifixion with his burial, through the strength of his resurrection with his ascension, through the strength of his descent for the judgment of doom. I arise today through the strength of the love of cherubim, in obedience of angels, in service of archangels, in hope of resurrection to meet with reward, in prayers of patriarchs, in predictions of prophets, in preaching of apostles, in faith of confessors, in, holy, in innocence of holy virgins, in deeds of righteous men. I arise today through the strength of heaven, light of sun, radiance of moon, splendor of fire, speed of lightning, swiftness of wind, depth of sea, stability of earth, firmness of rock. I arise today through God's strength to pilot me, God's might to uphold me, God's wisdom to guide me, God's eye to look before me, God's ear to hear me, God's word to speak for me, God's hand to guard me, God's way to lie before me, God's shield to protect me, God's host to save me. From the snares of devils, from temptations of vices, from everyone who shall wish me ill, afar and anear, alone and in multitude, I summon today all these powers between me and those evils, against every cruel, merciless power that may oppose my body and soul, against incantations of false prophets, against black laws of pagandom, against false laws of heretics, against craft of idolatry, against spells of witches and smiths and wizards, against every knowledge that corrupts man's body and soul. Christ to shield me today against poison, against burning, against drowning, against wounding, so that there may come to me an abundance of reward. Christ with me, Christ before me, Christ behind me, Christ in me, Christ beneath me, Christ above me, Christ on my right, Christ on my left, Christ when I lie down, Christ when I sit down, Christ when I arise, Christ in the heart every man who thinks of me, Christ in the mouth of everyone who speaks of me, Christ in every eye that sees me, Christ in every ear that hears me. I arise today through a mighty strength, the invocation of the Trinity, through belief in the threeness, through confession of the oneness of the creator of creation. I have been thinking of the irony that Patrick's prayer was that Christ would be in the heart of everyone who thinks of him. And yet, how is Patrick's holiday celebrated today? Even in the church, when we were asked, what did we hear when we think about Patrick? Green? Shamrocks? It's as if a thousand years from now, we celebrated Billy Graham's birthday by having a beer and getting drunk. I'm not kidding be kind of a mockery, wouldn't it? That is not how Patrick wished to be remembered. His desire, as we see in this prayer, is that Christ would be in the mind of every person that thought of him. What a tragedy that we've forgotten Christ when we remember Patrick. Now, the cup of Christ is a more potent drink than the green beer of St. Patrick's Day. Unlike alcohol, which people use to deaden their senses, 
The cup of Christ forces us to embrace the reality of ourselves, to carry our suffering and the suffering of others, and to enter fully into what it means to bear the cross of Christ. Jesus prayed, let this cup pass from me, not pour me another one. This morning, the question from Christ to each and every one of us is this, who do you say that I am? In Luke 24, Jesus joins two travelers who were walking on the road from Jerusalem to Emmaus. They were in mourning because Jesus had died upon the cross. They didn't realize that the one who was now journeying with them on the road to Emmaus, talking with them and teaching them and causing their hearts to burn within them was the risen Christ. They journeyed all afternoon with him and invited Jesus in for a meal with them when they reached their destination. Jesus sat at the table and broke the bread and blessed the wine. And then the Bible tells us that once he had broken the bread, their eyes were open and they recognized Jesus. And as it says in verse 35, which we'll have on the screen, he had been made known to them in the breaking of the bread. As we receive from the table of the Lord this morning, as we're just about to do, it has been my prayer that for many of us, Jesus will become known to us in the breaking of the bread. Maybe some of us in here are like those travelers on the road to Emmaus. Jesus has been walking with us and talking to us for some time. Maybe we've been coming to church for years, but we haven't even realized how present Jesus is because we've been so caught up in other things. Maybe today is the first time you've realized that Christ is present with you. This morning, we're going to receive from from four stations, actually, and if if my helpers this morning could come up quickly. Um, It's not going to take us very long to do, I don't think. Um, We're going to actually have two stations just set right here at the table. The other two will be at the ends of the alders so that you'll be able to come down the side rows and you'll be able to come down the middle rows. And what you'll do this morning, we're going to be doing something called intinction. We've done it before, but if it's new to many of you, you'll simply tear off a piece of bread and you'll dip it in the cup and receive it. I pray that Jesus will be known to us this morning in the breaking of the bread. I asked if I could do this today because I want us to be reminded that the cup of Christ is so much more potent than the green beer. It's life-changing. It's altering. It is the presence of God with us as we gather together. And so the prayer this morning of consecration... And we're going to have it up on the screen so you can read it with me. On the same night that he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took some bread and he thanked God for it and he broke it. And he said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this as a memorial of me. And in the same way, he said, this is the cup of the new covenant. In my blood. Whenever you drink it, do this as a memorial of me. Take this, all of you. And drink from it. This is the cup of my blood, the blood of the new covenant, the new and everlasting covenant. 
It will be shed for you and for all men so that sins may be forgiven. Do this in memory of me. And one invitation, I'm going to read it from the screen again this morning. This is the invitation of Christ today. In the church of the Nazarene, we might be a a bit unique in the churches of the day. Some traditions won't allow you to come to communion if you're not already a Christian, if you haven't been baptized. We welcome anyone to the table who is a believer in Christ in our church. So you are welcome this morning, whether you're a member of the Church of the Nazarene or any other denomination. But what makes us unique as Wesleyans is Wesley truly believed that Jesus could become known to us in the breaking of the bread. So the invitation to us today as well is if you want to know Jesus and you want to know him more, you are welcome at this table as well to come and literally receive Jesus. We ask you if you'd like, you can continue to pray after you receive this morning. There'll be music that plays in just a moment. But let me read this invitation, and afterwards, as you like, you can stand and come and receive today. This is the invitation. This is the table not of the church, but of the Lord. It is to be made ready for those who love him and want to love him more. So come, you who have much faith, and you who have little You who have been here often and you who have not been for a very long time. You who have tried to follow and you who have failed. Come not because it is I who invite you. It is our Lord. It is his will that those who want him should meet him here. Won't you come meet him this morning as the music plays? Every daughter, every son, to every tribe and every tongue, this is the call, the heart of love, this is the Bread, bread and wine, life and blood of Jesus Christ. Take and eat, raise and drink. This is the
Thank you for joining me here this week on the Voices in My Head podcast. I hope you'll visit me on my website at rickleyjames.com, follow me on Twitter at rickleyjames, like my artist page on Facebook at facebook.com slash rickleyjames, and keep up to date on what I'm writing at my author page on amazon.com. Make sure to follow my calendar on the website, and if you would like to have me come to your town to do a concert, a speaking engagement, or a book event, you can book me through my website by clicking on the link for Pair Booking Agency. That's P-A-R-E Booking. And finally, it would mean the world to me if you were to leave me a review of this podcast on iTunes. The more positive reviews that we receive, the more visible this podcast is on the internet. And now the benediction. May the God of peace who raised Christ from the dead, strengthen your inner being for every good work. And may the blessing of God Almighty, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit rest upon you and dwell within you this day and forevermore. Amen.